Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This message by Pastor Eric Ludy is entitled, To Rule a Nation. God has given to His church the wisdom whereby we might rule our own lives and any jurisdiction He entrusts to us. The book of Proverbs is often treated like a collection of good quotes. However, the Proverbs are the wisdom of King Jesus, teaching us how we are to live this life and every sphere of leadership God has given to us. Please contact us at www.ellersley.com. Now here's Pastor Eric Ludy. To rule a nation. This title sort of emerged at the very end of my note preparations. And the whole while, I'd been preparing a different sermon of how to rule a nation. I know it sounds like a very strange concept. And so I've been doing a, I do side studies all the time. And I've been compiling. I always have this open document of how to rule well. And a man that will rule a nation well must know how to rule smaller things well. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to rule a nation well. So as the principle of Scripture goes, a man must first learn how to govern his own thoughts, his own heart, his own attitude, his own life. If he can't govern his own body, he's not fit to even be married. And so one of the basic qualifications for marriage is that a man has already proven that he can run well his own body in accordance with the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. If he can't, then that would be my counsel to him is, buddy, you might want to hold off on marriage. Because marriage doesn't make life easier. It doesn't mean that you solve your internal issues of your person just because you got married. A lot of men think that they solve their disorders by getting married. And yes, women are quite incredible, but they can't solve a man's issues with the flesh. Only the cross and Jesus Christ shed blood can accomplish that. And so if a man doesn't first deal with him, he's not fit to lead a marriage. And if he can't handle his wife well, then he's not going to handle his kids well. And so it's first things first. Before a man is fit to lead the church of Jesus Christ, he must prove in his home life. But to prove in his home life, he must prove in his individual life. And this is the flow chart of the kingdom of heaven. So when we say to rule a nation, this is fairly far advanced. And most of us are still struggling with level one that we don't even consider what God wants to grow us up to do with our life. So this is sort of a blow the cap off of your small-mindedness type of message to say, by the way, uh, you are a son or a daughter of the king of all kings, and he only knows how to replicate his grandeur and majesty. He doesn't think small. So as his course or his training program would say, it's not just, the Bible isn't just how to train a life to function how to make it through life, you know, without making a huge mess. No, it's, I'm going to train you to rule worlds. Huh? Me? You. And that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God made flesh. That is the purpose of the Word of God made flesh, is to reveal himself in and through us. Us. I know we're not that impressive. However, God's great wisdom loves to take the small things and reveal his largeness in and through them. To take the weak things and reveal his power through them. So the more acquainted you become with your weakness, the more ready you are to reveal his power. It's when you think that you're strong that you're not fit to rule well. So that's sort of a premise point for where we're going. But to do this, we're going to investigate God's training manual for ruling nations. 
And this is going to sound a little strange for those of you that aren't familiar with the book of Proverbs being a training manual for how to rule nations. But it's the wisdom of God. The Proverbs are somewhat of a lost concept in the New Covenant Christianity. Yeah, I know that we read them and we repeat them, but oftentimes we don't understand the great gravity and authoritative weight that they have in our life to train us in righteousness. Oh, we know that the book of John maybe can do that, or Romans, or 1 John. Those things, yeah, that, that could do it, but what about the book of Proverbs? Is Proverbs a part of the Bible? Of course. Is it considered part of the authoritative canon? Yes. That means when it speaks, we bend our knee, and we say, yes, Lord. The Bible in the New Covenant does not contradict the book of Proverbs. It completes it. It fulfills it. How about this? It puts it on two legs with two arms and a head and walks it through the dusty uh, lands of Judea. It's Jesus Christ made flesh. He is the wisdom of God on two feet. He is the embodiment of everything that book says. In that book, there are two men described, the fool and the wise. Jesus exemplified this is what it looks like when a proverb starts walking starts talking, starts living. So to rule a nation, the book of Proverbs, is it merely filler material? I know that most of you would never say it is. However, most of you look at it as good advice. You don't look at it as authoritative, that when it speaks, it's a command. It is declaring to you that if you don't heed its words, you will die. It is the words of the king of kings spoken unto his children. And unless you begin to take the Proverbs that way, you will be a fool. So in, we're, we're actually just launching this week. I think it was Monday we had orientation for... It's our new practicum program that is launching, but it's like a hybrid version of it. It's sort of hard to explain. But it's all those that have graduated from our advanced. We're doing a practice version of our practicum. And so for the next eight months, they are memorizing the book of Proverbs. Which, by the way, sounds rather maybe easy when you first hear it. It's like, oh yeah, I've memorized the Bible before. 31 very long chapters. And the moment one of these practicum students, which this week has begun to poke at that, they begin to realize, wow. This is not a small task. And yet, one of the number one things we do at Ellerslie in decision-making processes, when we come into a key decision, like a quagmire or a controversy or a challenge, as a staff, one of the first things we do is say, all right, let's get our Proverbs out on the table. That's how we start. It's our decision-making flow chart. In other words, we say, what is God's wisdom on this matter. We seek his wisdom. We know he has it to supply. It does not mean his wisdom is not in the other 65 books. Don't get me wrong. However, this is a very, very specific book to aid you in the process of decision-making in accordance with God's mind. He has given us his mind, and it's the mind of a king. And if you can learn to rule in the small matters that same wisdom, as strange as this is, is useful in the biggest matters. Same wisdom. It doesn't change. Which means if you can learn to handle your own body, your thought life well, did you know that you can learn to handle a nation well? Yes, there are some different parts, moving parts to each of these situations. When you're running a family of three kids, it's very different than running a nation of 10 million. However, 
The same wisdom applies. That's what I love about the kingdom of heaven. Two plus two always equals four. Whether it's inside your own mind or being broadcast to a nation, two plus two still equals four. So how we function in our ever-growing leadership positions is according to the mind of God. The Proverbs are not filler material. The Proverbs are very, very significant in your life. And so here we are in a practicum and we're saying, we want you to memorize the Proverbs. So that when we as the church say, all right, guys, we have a key decision. Let's get our Proverbs out on the table. What do we do? Could you imagine if all of us in this room knew the Proverbs? Do you imagine what we could get out on the table? That's pretty impressive. Right now, our special, our, our Proverbs specialists, I don't know why this is. There's different, you know, in the body, we, you have just different strengths. Leslie, my wife, and Sandy, there's something about them. We'll be sitting in a room in a staff meeting, and we go, okay, guys, we need Proverbs. And they will just start spewing them. And we're like, all right, all right, you get that? Put that down, put that down. It's not that the rest of us don't know any Proverbs. It's just that they are just really good with it. I want us as the body to be excellent with the wisdom of God. I want to have wisdom. I want to crave wisdom. I want to seek after it. It is more valuable than gold. It is everything that will change your life. And if you have that wisdom, that mind of God, you literally can function in any circumstance in this life at the highest God-like level. I want it. And I have a hunch some of you do too, which is why this message is really good. It's fun. Excluded from the benefits. You know that you as a Gentile, now how many of you are Jewish? I know there's always like one or two. Uh-huh, it's always the same guy, too. But there's one next to you now. That's, that's good. So there's always, like, two in here. Uh, so we have two that are Jewish. In accordance with the genealogical flowchart of the lineage, the Jews would have access to the benefits of what's called the commonwealth of Israel. There's a wealth that is common to Israel, and part of it is what's known as the Word of God, the text of Scripture. And the Jews had it. It wasn't just available to every nation. They guarded it. It was theirs. And it was those that were in covenant with God that had access to this teaching and this training, or in our case, this wisdom. Okay, so this wisdom that we are going to talk about today actually was not available to you as a Gentile dog. You were cut off from the commonwealth. You were excluded from its benefits. So when you begin to think that way and understand that, you realize that what the cross of Jesus Christ has done is it's brought us into the commonwealth to have access unto this great blessing that was only available to those that were in the lineage of Abraham. Now we have been grafted in, in and through faith in Jesus Christ into this great bounty and blessing. So as it says in Ephesians 2, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Uh, Not a very healthy state. We were fools. Now there's nothing worse than being a fool, hearing that you have access into the commonwealth, declaring that, oh yeah, now I have access into the commonwealth and remaining a fool. There can be no higher crime than to have access unto the full commonwealth and blessing and hope and promise of the word of God, and then to neglect it and to remain in darkness. And yet how many Christians today esteem and make some overture of the fact that, oh yeah, Jesus did that, oh sure, wonderful, and yet they still are the fool. You see, you have every privilege to now become as the wise, to function as the wise, to reason as the wise, to live as the wise. 
You have every capacity made available to you to not just rule your own body well, but to rule worlds well. So in Ephesians 2, it continues, it says, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, or according to your natural birth, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. So this is just the the context. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's where we finished our last scripture. But then what does it say? But now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. And so for our message today, you can say, and the Proverbs are yours. The mine? Are, are you serious? I could actually have access to the Proverbs of God? You can, by the blood of Jesus. How exciting. I have access to wisdom. I no longer need to be the fool. Is that the way you think, though? You see, most Christians neglect all that has been made available to them by the blood of Jesus. We have access not just into the text of the Proverbs, but to the Proverbs made flesh, Jesus Christ, the living proverb, the one who enables you to live out the Proverbs. You could esteem the Proverbs. You could memorize the Proverbs. Memorizing the Proverbs, by the way, just in case you're wondering, doesn't actually mean you are not a fool anymore. Knowing about things doesn't actually mean you are living the right way. It is living out what you know to be right that changes you. However, have you noticed that we oftentimes have an impediment right there? We know what we ought to do, and yet we have a tough time implementing it. And as a result, we function as the fool even though we know what the wisdom is. And that's part of what this message is. The privilege of the king's proverb. You know there's a lot of proverbs in this world? You know that every nation, and I shouldn't say every, but I'm guessing probably every nation has proverbs. Every culture has proverbs, the little sayings of truth, of observation. You know that there's two kinds of proverbs? There's God's proverbs, and then there's everyone else's proverbs. You see, there's two realms. We have a dark earthen realm down here where the veil cuts us off from being able to truly access the supernatural realm the other realm, the higher realm, the heavenly realm. God writes his Proverbs from a heavenly perspective. He created all, he knows all, he knows everything, and he knows how to make one wise. He doesn't just know what wisdom is, he knows how to implement it into someone's life. He knows the whole situation from first to last. Every other earthly proverb, whether it be a Hindu proverb, whether it be a Chinese proverb, by the way, they can be true. It's not a statement that they're not true, but they're from the darkened earthen realm, observing this darkened earthen realm, staring upward. But they don't have the authority of God Almighty. They are wisdom points, and they can definitely help you. They're not going to harm you if they're based on reality. In other words, you throw this chair up, it lands on your head, it can break your neck. You know, it's like, huh, good point. And as a result, that can be a form of wisdom, but it is an earthly wisdom that will preserve you in an earthen realm, but will not aid you and abet you in getting to the heavenly realm. But God's wisdom is from a heavenly realm, come to this earthen realm to rescue you from this earthen realm and bring you into the behavior of the heavenly realm. An earthly proverb can't do that. God's proverbs can take you out of the mire of this earth and get you into a heavenly disposition, a heavenly behavior, a heavenly mind, where you begin to live as heaven lives. I like that proverb. You have access to that proverb in Christ Jesus. 
the privilege of the king's proverbs. So I'm going to introduce you to just a couple Hebrew words, and we'll spend a little time, and this will be a fairly simple study in our Hebrew today, even though I'll go over it quite a few times. Mashal. When we say the word proverb in Hebrew, it's mashal. And, you know, we have all sorts of other definitions of proverbs out there. If you go online and try and get a definition for a proverb, it's one of the hardest words for people to define. And there's all sorts of reasons for that, because a proverb is, as most people would say, a proverb. Do you need a definition for it? How do you define a proverb? It's like a, a wise saying, but it's more than that. You see, it's something that is just true, but there's all sorts of different kinds of proverbs. How about this? There's all sorts of kinds of earthly proverbs. So let's not ask the world how to define proverb. Let's go to God himself and let's say, what do you say a proverb is? A proverb, by simple definition in the Hebrew, would be a proverb, a mashal, a parable, a sentence of ethical wisdom, or an ethical maxim, or a statement of fact. Okay, now that is a very, very simplistic understanding of it that isn't full and robust enough to change your life. And you could say, well, I already knew that. Yes, so that's why we need this message, to expand our understanding a little. I just changed screens up there, but you may not have noticed. Let me go back to the previous screen. Mashal. Now look at the pronunciation of this word. Boom. It became mashal. This is the root word for proverb in the Hebrew. Different pronunciation. And it's an action. It's actually a verb. You need to mashal. And what do you do with that mashal? Well, that mashal and mashal are very, very synonymous. They work together. Mashal is to rule, to have dominion, and to reign, which is a very interesting word to stick in with proverb. You see, it's not just anyone giving a proverb. These are the king's proverbs. This proverb comes from above, and it is coming down to the children. Now, I know it was written by Solomon. However, Solomon is a picture of something. Solomon, it's not just Solomon unto his son. This is a picture of the king of kings unto his children. And it has authority with a king's weight behind it. Okay? So we have Mashal, which is to rule, to have dominion, to reign. So I'm going to give you a quick definition of a proverb, as a Hebrew would understand it, or a Jew may understand it. Canon-weighted maxims, which means they have the authority of all the canon. And if you understand canon, that means the authoritative divine right to rule and control. So it has divine right. God has established and say this isn't just any words of humans. This is God's word. God's authoritative dictums. So it has canon-weighted maxims, the rule of the king, the measurement of truth, the doctrine of the kingdom, the tested and proven word of life that possess the divine right to rule and control, measure and judge the human life. So as a result, we are laid down in the, in the measuring rod known as the canon, or the proverbs in this state, uh, situation, are laid down next to us and we are measured. Uh, fool. Next. Mm. Fool. Next. Fool. Next. Oh. Wise. What's your name? Jesus. Oh, he's the perfect measurement. He's the perfect fulfillment. Every single one of us fails in light of the proverbs. They are a judgment and an indictment to us to say, you're still living in darkness, aren't you? This is the way you're supposed to live, but you're having trouble living it, aren't you? I am. I know what I ought to do, but there's nothing inside of me that enables me to live that. But I want to. I want to be the wise man. 
So the Proverbs, I'm gonna make a list of three things that the Proverbs are. So this is just my first beginnings of the list. I'm gonna put one down. So the Proverbs are the king's authoritative rule and measurement. All right, so now let's sort of build another understanding. There's our word again, mashal. You know that mashal has basically three different definitions, to rule and to control and to govern, which is the one we just covered. It also means something rather strange, to make like. It's like a copy machine. So you have a picture and you stick it down and and what comes out? A similitude or something that is like it. Okay, and so that's actually what this word means. Michelle is to make like or to pass along the pattern for perfect similitude. So what we have as a proverb is basically the king saying, I need to make you like me. So what I'm giving you is the pattern. This is the pattern for the wise. So what is a proverb? It's that which is given by a king to raise up another king. It is given by a king, and what's he given, who's he given it to? He's given it to his son. Well, who's his son? The son is the son of the king. And so what is it good for? It's to spare him from a foolish life and to leverage the strength he's been given as a son of the king to grow up unto a full maturity and to take over his father's kingdom. That's what a proverb would be. So it's that which is given by a king to raise up another king. It's the training, the instruction required to shape clay that is different into something that is identical. So we are clay, but God comes to us and we're not functioning as he is. He's holy, we're unholy. He's righteous, we're unrighteous. So we're like a pile of clay or a ball of clay, but we're different. We're not right. And so what the Proverbs do is it makes that lump of clay like unto the, the potter in this case. It is given to the children of a king in order that they would carry on the ruling excellence and the governing grace of their father. This is the way I have handled my kingdom. It is with excellence and perfection. And now I want you to handle your kingdom or that which is entrusted to you the same way. So if Jesus is giving you the mashal, mashal, what's he giving you? I have ruled my kingdom this way. Now I'm giving you my proverb so that you can rule your body, right? So that you can rule your mind, your heart, your affections. You can rule your family. You can rule the church. You can rule the community and the civil sphere of life. You can rule nations. You can rule worlds the same way I would. I am giving you this proverb or these proverbs in order that you might do exactly that. So here's our list of, for the proverbs. It's the king's authoritative rule and measurement. And it's the king's pattern for training up another king, a son that will rule and behave just as he does. You see, the closer you get to the terrain of the gospel, the more you're going to see the gospel in this. This is what the cross accomplishes. The cross is what opened up the commonwealth of Israel to us. But what is the purpose? That we could be smart? That we could pass our SATs with flying colors? God isn't looking for just pure intelligence. He's looking for wisdom. Men and women that behave, that function in accordance with a pattern. But the first thing that wisdom leads us to is, all right, God, I realize that I'm built for this, but I'm missing something. He goes, what are you missing? I'm missing the ability to do it. I recognize the pattern. I see it. I understand the directions. I esteem all of this, but I'm missing the ability to do it. And he goes, wise statements, my son. Wise statement. 
And that is what the gospel leads us to. It leads us to not just see the grand call, but then to turn to the king himself and say, but you have something, don't you, that I need? I do. Are you going to seek after it as a miner would for gold? Yeah. You have it. I need it. And he says, grab a hold of me. Wrestle me for it. How badly do you want it? You see, God has given us everything we need, but he teaches us in the Proverbs that he says, do you want it or not? When the evil are going to come to you, they're going to try and bid you away from this. I'm telling you right now, do not consent. You stay focused on what I'm telling you right now. No, keep your gaze right here. I have what you need. I'm not just giving you a pattern. I'm also going to give you the ability. But you have to stay focused and fixed, and you will be trained right. Here's our word again, mashal. So remember, the Proverbs are called the mashal. So technically, what we would call the Proverbs would probably be the mashal mashal, which means the authoritative Proverbs, the Proverbs that come from the heavenly realm. They're not like the Chinese. They're not like the Hindu Proverbs. They're different. They're Proverbs that come from the highest level of authority. They're divine, and they come with all the equipment necessary to see you accomplish what they speak. So here's our next definition for Michelle. The first one was to rule, to govern, to lead, to control. Then the next one was to make like. Well, this third one is very interesting. It means to enable, but not just anything, to enable that which it's communicating. So when you understand Proverbs to be this, it's so exciting to recognize that included in the Proverbs is the enablement to do what it's speaking to you. Most of us get the text of Scripture and go, I can't do that. And we fail to realize that included in it is everything that is needed. Now, by the way, the text isn't where that is found. It's in the person of the Proverbs. You see, Jesus has everything we need. And when we come to him as the Proverbs, and we say, you have it, don't you? He says, search me, know me, dig for it, come after me. I have it inside of me. I have everything you will need to fulfill everything you see right now. You want it? I want it. That's called Christianity. So it's to enable rulership. Not just say, and this is what rulership looks like. It's to enable it. It's to cause to lead well. In other words, it's not just to say, and if you're going to be a good leader, this is how you have to be. And we're like, oh, I stink. And he says, no, but I can cause you in and through my word, to lead well, to exercise unto power, to strengthen the student, to perform in accordance with the perfect pattern of kingly rule. If we don't have this, we can't do it. You can esteem it. You can see the grand vision. Could you imagine coming into like the war room of one of the greatest generals? And so there's William Wallace or George Washington and you're sitting there, and he says, and this is how you rule. This is how we win this battle. That doesn't mean you can just take over the nation. It doesn't mean you can just lead everyone out to war. You're going to need something, something more than just a little head knowledge of what they just drew on that piece of paper. You need to have the moxie, the courage to stand when those bullets or those arrows are flying, when that steel is swinging near your throat, to keep going. You need something beyond what is just normal human you need something divine. But that something divine isn't going to be dredged up from your own pockets. You're not going to find it in your satchel and your backpack. And that's what wisdom is all about. He says, you know where to find it now? I do. I find it in you. 
And he goes, you're right. You see, you can prepare that horse for battle, but victory is found in the Lord. You see, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Have you figured that out yet? What does the wise man say? I've got it. <laughs> I got it. It's in you. And he goes, well done, my son. Let's keep our training going. Let's keep it current and constant. And if you continue in my word, if you continue to come to me like this, you will be groomed and trained for everything I've commissioned you to do. So here's our list, the Proverbs. It's the king's authoritative rule and measurement, the king's pattern for training up another king, a son that will rule and behave just as he does. And here's our third definition, the king's empowerment, the enablement to live out the king's maxims and to rule not just your own thought life, but the entire world if necessary. Are, are you ready for that, by the way? Could you imagine? Oh yeah, Eric, uh, I'm... I'm going to have to take a little uh, sabbatical rest here in heaven. Could you take over the entire world for a little bit? Oh, you see, even in that situation, you know what I would have to say as the wise? I would say, I can't without you. I, I know you're joking because you can't take a sabbatical rest on me. My whole life and principal point of my wisdom is that I need you to do it through me. I can do it, but I need to know that you're at the helm. And he goes, well done, my son. You see, we are intended to rule nations, but we are ill-equipped in ourselves. The fool thinks he has it in his own ability. That's what makes him a fool. The fool doesn't need a savior. The wise man knows his need of the cross. And as a result, that's what sets the fool apart from the wise. The wise understands need and understands God's ability, known as grace. He can do it. That's how he saves me. He must do the work. I need the cross. Bingo. We have ourselves a wise man in the making. Okay, so here's our very simple definition after all that we've covered. The Proverbs, or the king's dictums, or the king's maxims, the king's authoritative statements of command. You must do this, otherwise you die. That's the Proverbs. The Proverbs aren't Chinese or Hindu in their nature. They're not from this earthen realm. They're from a heavenly realm. And they aren't just good-sounding notions. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll take that into consideration, God. Well, that's an interesting thought. No, it's a command. And if you don't heed the words of your father, you will fall into disrepair and die. So please do not forsake what you are hearing in the Proverbs. So they're the king's dictums. They're the king's pattern for training and for replicating his own life, and the king's empowerment for you to be able to do it. That's what the Proverbs are. Isn't that exciting? Don't you want to just go to your Bible as quickly as possible and start studying the Proverbs? Yeah, I don't blame you. I've been doing it all week, loving it. The two primary agendas of the Proverbs, I know, some big words, chakma and musar. I, I'm not very good at the sounds, uh, but I still added it in there, chakma and Musar. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about, Eric? That's just what the Bible says. It says that the Proverbs' two primary agendas are to give you these two things. You're like, thanks a lot. Don't know what to do with them. They sound really interesting. That's because they're Hebrew, and as a result, you need a little translation help, don't you? So, so would I. So the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know Chakmah and Musar. God says, you see, 
I have an agenda, and that is I want to replicate my kingship, my nature as a king, my ability as a king, my pattern as a king, into you, my son and daughter. So, listen closely. I have given you these proverbs that you would know Hakma and Musar. Typical translation is going to be wisdom and instruction. Okay, so this is Hakma and Musar. Hakma. This is typically translated wisdom, but wisdom is translated, well, there are many words in the Hebrew that are translated wisdom. So the moment you begin to study wisdom, you'll begin to get confused. Like, well, it seems like everything's translated wisdom. This is the kingpin umbrella word. This is the wisdom. All the others are attributes of wisdom that in our English language, we struggle to know how to say it. And so it's like, well, it's wisdom too. It's like love. In the Greek, we have the word love because we as... English-speaking Americans seem to struggle with diversity of language. And so as a result, we call everything love. So I could love my sleep and love God with the same word. And it just seems like we cheapen the word. Well, that's because it's a different form of love. And the same is true with wisdom. So this is our umbrella big word. God says, I've given you the Proverbs for wisdom. For the big umbrella concept, and let's go into what that is. It's to rule well your life. If you have wisdom, that means you have what you need to rule well your life and that authority which is entrusted to you to protect and care well for that which is in your jurisdiction. I have a body. I have a mind. I have a thought life. And God says, I have hakmah for you. I have wisdom for you so that you can know how to take every thought captive to the will of Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice to have? You have it. You know, many of us are like, I feel so overwhelmed by fear. You know that God has hakma for you? He has wisdom so that you know how to rightly handle this body. Every thought, every look of the eye, every movement of the body. Actually, there is a wisdom for how you live in a human body. God has it for us. <laughs> I love that thought. And for every turn, every movement, every glance, every thought in a marriage, he has it for you. By the way, it's the same wisdom. Same wisdom that works to handle your thought life just when you're wandering by yourself through life is the same wisdom you need for your marriage. Yes, there's some different moving parts. Same truth. You see, God created this infrastructure known as life. And he set it running according to his law, his governing grace. And he's the king of it all. He created it all. And he says, now I'm going to show you how it all works. And if you listen closely, my son, if you pay heed to my wisdom, my hakamah, you will be able to rule your life well in this realm. So it's to judge rightly, to protect that which is entrusted, to care for that which is yours. So if that means a wife, if that means children, if that means a church, if that means a business, you need wisdom. I don't know if you figured that out anywhere along the line, but you need wisdom. And it doesn't come naturally to us. We do not naturally know how to handle our thought life. We do not naturally know how to handle our tongue. You notice that our tongue gets away from us right from the very beginning when we first pop out of the womb? Ah, we're screaming. You see, we don't understand how to properly govern this. We don't come prepackaged with it. So God says, I know that. You're cut off from that commonwealth. You're a fool. But I have something that will drive foolishness from you. It's called the rod. And this rod will drive it out of you so that a wise man can begin to grow to bring heavenly decision to all matters of life, to know the righteous course, 
to know how a man ought to behave, ought to act, ought to speak, ought to live, and ought to serve. Righteousness means as a man ought to be. Do you know there's a way that we're supposed to walk? See, there's a way that seems righteous unto a man. The way it's said in, in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right unto a man. There's a way that a man thinks he ought to go, but what does the Proverbs say? No, nope, don't go that way. That's an enticement. That's the adulterous path. You see that one? Like the narrow one? The one with like big towering cliffs on either side that looks like they're going to fall down on me? And God says, yeah, that one. That's the correct way. You see, you wouldn't naturally discern that. And God says, that's the path of the wise. That's the righteous course. How will you know it? You must have wisdom. God knows how he created things, and he knows that you are popping out of your mother's womb backwards, that you do not reason correctly. There is a way that seems right unto you, but it leads to death. It's called the broad way, and there's a narrow way, and few are those who find it, because few are those who are willing to acknowledge God's supremacy on the matter. He says, I know what the truth is. Are you willing to submit to it? So here's wisdom. It's to rule your body and mind with excellence. It's to rule your marriage and family with sharpness and alacrity. It's to rule in church matters with divine prudence. It's to rule in matters of civil government with heavenly judgment. It's to have mental skill for war and to answer enemy attack with divine stratagem. I like that. It's to courageously, boldly, and unabashedly make judgment in the most troubled times and in matters of the most difficult and perplexing nature. Here's our other word. Remember, the Proverbs are good for two things, chakma and musar. Now, technically, they're good for a lot of other things than that. And so if you knew the very first chapter of Proverbs, you say, Eric, you're leaving a few things out. And there's a few students in here that have been memorizing them this week that are all over me on that one. Like, wait a minute, Eric, we're, we're forgetting a few things. Good, good job, guys. That's excellent. So, Musar. So, the Proverbs are good that we may know Hakma and Musar. Hakma typically translated as wisdom. Musar typically translated as instruction. When you hear the word instruction, doesn't it sound like just a teacher all calmly getting in front with a blackboard and a piece of chalk and the chalk breaks and, you know, and they pick up another one and they write on the blackboard and they turn around and they talk in a very calm loving, concerned tone for you. And Billy, sit up straight. Uh, and Yes, Martha, what's your answer? Mm, very good, very good. Okay, class, tomorrow, and that's just how a teacher works. That's how an instructor works. And so the Proverbs are good for that. You know what the classic understanding of instruction is? Biblically speaking, it's chastisement. It's rebuke and correction. That's what it means. You know, in the old-fashioned days of school, do you know that a teacher could actually bring the paddle to the backside of a student that was misbehaving? You know why they would do that? To teach the class what was incorrect behavior. If you do not correct, you are not instructing. So, so the Proverbs are actually good for wisdom to show you the right way and then to show you when someone goes on the wrong way, you know, splat on the backside. No, that's incorrect. This is the right way. It's for instruction. It's for musar. It's actually for correction, and that's a word that's sort of hard for us to stick in, in our translation, but that's what the Proverbs are for. They're going to tell you when you're going off the wrong way, and that's actually good, and then you feel this heat of conviction. Uh-huh, that's like a paddle on the backside. You're like, whoa, I'm wrong. That wasn't correct behavior. 
You see, God trains the church of Jesus Christ. How do, how do we train children? If one of your children is acting up and the parent does nothing, did you know that you're incorrectly training your children? But when you properly respond to a child who's acting up, even in front of them, it doesn't mean you have to discipline them in front of them, but you show this is incorrect and maybe you remove it from the situation and discipline them in another room. What is everyone else at the table learning? They're being instructed. It's not just the child that was acting up that's being instructed. It's everyone at that table that's being instructed. Why? Because they are seeing how the righteous course works. When someone veers off, God loves us back into that position. So Musar, instruction, the divinely authoritative correction of God. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know Chachmah and Musar. So the two purposes of the king's maxims, Chachmah, and we'll say it this way, to know the righteous course. This is the way, walk ye in it. To know how a man ought to be in all of life's situations. That's wisdom. When you have wisdom, you know how we are supposed to function in every situation. You have a mind to be able to see it. And God promises that if any of us turn in faith to him and say, I need that, he will give it to us in any and every situation. He has made his wisdom available to us so that you actually can know the righteous course in every circumstance, not just in big picture. It's like, what's the righteous course? Well, Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. That's true. That's, we can call that the big way, like a big W. Well, then we have small decisions all along the big way. Big W. So small W decisions. You need to make decisions today. And you need wisdom for those decisions. There's a way that seems right unto your natural man. And there's a way that God says, and this is the way, walk you in it. We need the word of God. We need the proverbs of God to be able to navigate this journey. So here's our second word, musar, to be trained in the righteous course. Imagine that I was told, I was given a map, and it took me from Denver to Southern California. It was a little cold here, and so I was saying, God, how can I be warmed up? And God says, I'll get you there. And so he gave me a map. That's wisdom. I received a map, and even in the map, I looked at it, and it, it talked about a car, and then if I drive this car and it, you know, down this path, this road, this interstate, I will get from point A to B. Well, now I need Musar, because now I get into this car, but I don't know how to properly drive the car. So I need to stay in the right lane. No, Eric, don't go into the left lane. You can die that way. Okay? Now, you need to fill up the... You see that, that little uh, thing? That's a, called a gas gauge. Uh-huh. When it gets low like that, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, when that light's on, mm-hmm, just like that. You know why you're on the side of the road right now out of gas? It's because you didn't heed my instruction. Okay, so you have the wisdom. You know where you're supposed to go, but now you need to be refined in how to get from point A to point B. And that's called instruction or musar. And along the way, God says, this is a gas station. You stop here at this point, when the gauge gets to this, I would highly encourage you, <laughs> go off the road. I know it seems like you're going out of the way, but you're not. You're f- refueling. And that refueling is going to be essential for you to make it from here to there, because it is a long journey. And you learn how to turn your windshield wipers on when it rains. You learn how to de-ice the windshield. You learn how to do whatever it is in that journey to make it from here to there. What's that? Well, that's instruction in the righteous course. God gives you the wisdom, but now you need the instruction on how to apply it very specifically. So I said there were two things that the Proverbs were good for, and they're actually good for a lot more than that. But I'm going to teach you three. Three today that are very critical, and they're a threesome that 
seem to always hang out together in the Bible, okay? Oh, and there's a third purpose. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know Hakma and Musar, and to bin emir binah. Doesn't that sound fun to do? You've been wanting that in your life, a little bin emir binah, and so you just didn't know it. Well, just wait. This is good stuff. Bin emir binah. It's a very hard thing to translate for us as English-speaking Americans. The way that it's translated in the New King James is to perceive the words of understanding. However, even a better way, it's just sort of a strange way of saying it, would be to understand the words of understanding. But if you have the words of understanding, don't you have understanding? No? You see, the words of understanding, it's like a, a training manual. Imagine that, I, that you received a training manual and it's written in the divine father tongue. And you get this thing and you're like, uh, okay, I have the understanding. Everything I need to understand this contraption known as the human life is available to me. However, uh, um, I don't speak this language. And God says, hmm, you do have a problem, don't you? What you need is being a meter banah. You need to be able to understand the understanding. You need it to be spiritually translated. It's called the power of God. Spiritual illumination to be brought to you so that that manual makes sense. Instead of just staring at a map and saying, but what is this? And God says, it's a map. What's a map? And he says, you see that? That's north. What's north? And see that? That's south. What's south? If you have no gauge, no understanding to these things, you're looking at gibberish. And that's how most of us function. And that's how the fool functions, which is why he throws it out. I don't speak that language. God does. And the Proverbs are good for this. They actually will give you understanding of the understanding. The word understanding is actually a very interesting word because it, if you break it up into two different words, it would be understanding. I know that. That's pretty obvious, right? But that means it's that which is under your standing. Christianity is all about standing upon a rock. But what's under your standing? If it's your own wisdom and your own ideas, then you're standing on sand. And when the winds and the rains come and the trials come and beat against your little life, you will fail. But if you have understanding, if you have been emir benah, then in that day you will have the wisdom and you will be, have been instructed in how to wield it and you will correctly implement that which you have been trained in. You need all three of these in order to function in this life. And God says, I've given you all three. Everything you will need I've made it available to you. So to understand the words of understanding, bin emir binah. Isn't that a fun Hebrew word to know? So this is what it means, and I don't know if my definitions are more simple or more complex. To be able to reckon, to grasp, to fully receive, to truly gain that which is in the word, to not just know that you must stand upon something, but to actually stand upon it, to truly have the word, the rock, the king's maxim under your standing. And so I use the illustration a lot. If you've been here at Ellerslie, you've heard it, oh, I don't know, maybe a hundred times. That if I stuck a $20 bill on the stage and I said, it's yours. I'm giving you wisdom. I'm actually instructing you in something you need to know. I'm giving you a pattern for how you're going to pay for your lunch that day. That $20 is yours. However, if you don't have understanding, then you may hear me say it. And later that day, someone could say, did Eric give you 20? And you could say, yes, he did. But you do not have Bin Amir Banah. What would Bin Amir Banah be? 
It would be, wait a minute, so he actually meant it. So he actually intends me to take it. That's called reckoning. You actually say, that 20 is mine. Now, I know that sounds very obvious to you because that is a natural realm proverb. He who is given $20 better pick it up and take it, otherwise they won't be able to pay for their meal today. That makes sense to you. However, this is how God's proverbs work. You can read them and never take them. You can understand them intellectually and never put them in your own pocket and have them in substance in your daily life. God's saying, look, I don't just want you to know what is the right thing to do, and I don't want to just correct you all day long. I want you actually to begin to live it. Live it so that your life actually matches with this. There's a replication, there's a duplication of my life into yours. And so as a result, when you live, you're the Proverbs on two feet. You are what is known in Scripture as the wise man. So, to understand the understanding would be something like this. To be freed by the words of freedom. Could you imagine being told that all slaves were emancipated? And... You may hear it, but it's a different language to you. You don't understand it. So you do not realize that you can get up right now and walk away from your slave master and he can do nothing to punish you. But if you don't understand that, what will you do? You will remain where you're at. So what you need is not just the words of freedom. They've been spoken. What you need is to understand and be freed by the words of freedom. How about to be saved by the words of salvation? Don't just know the words of salvation. You better take them as yours. They belong to you. Don't just rehearse some gospel message. Have you ever received the gospel? you ever taken it? you ever stuck it in your pocket? Say, I have it. It's mine now. I believe I need that cross. And that cross was given for me. He died for me to find peace in the declaration of peace. Doesn't that sound miserable? To, like I always think of the days of Hezekiah when 180,000 Syrians were destroyed outside the city gates. But what if no one ever told you? And what if no one ever told you that God smote them in the night and that 180,000 are dead? You know that you'd live trembling in fear and you wouldn't live in peace even though there is no harm, there is no danger anymore? They're all destroyed? You need to find peace in the declaration of peace. You need to be Namir Banah. You need to receive love in the words of love. How many people know that God is love? And they can even, in a technical sense, say, oh yes, and God loves me. Because that's just the right answer, but you actually don't have any confidence that God really does love you. Oh, you know he loves the guy next to you in church, but I don't know if he really loves me. You have never received love in the words of love. How about to actually grasp the good benefit when hearing the words of good news? Or to be empowered to actually live the life empowered? Who cares if you know about a life empowered? You need to be empowered by it. The Proverbs are good for wisdom, instruction, and for understanding. But that understanding word is a lot more powerful than it sounds. It means that you would actually have in reality the very substance of that wisdom and that which is instructing you to walk in it. You would be able to get from A to B instead of just esteem it and look at it on the map and run out of gas on the way there. We're not just talking about failing, but having a sincere attempt at it. We're talking about winning. We're talking about succeeding. The wise man His life will work. It's a promise in Scripture. You go after wisdom, this is what will happen. Guaranteed. Always. Every time. For all eternity. This is the maxim of the king who cannot lie. And he's spoken. 
The three purposes of the king's maxims. So, hakmah, to know the righteous course, to know how a man ought to be in all of life's situations, to be trained in the righteous course, or to be corrected when you are not as you ought to be in the midst of all life's situations. And being a mere banah, to be empowered in the righteous course, to be enabled to become as a man ought to be in the midst of all of life's situations. So, I... If I was more organized, I would have a few illustrations with me, but the flashlight. Now, I've used the flashlight illustration before, but say I have this thing known as a flashlight, and I'm living in the dark. Doesn't it seem rather strange that I have a flashlight, but no one has ever told me about the flashlight? So imagine someone says, hey, Eric, there's a flashlight. That doesn't necessarily mean I know how to use it. It doesn't necessarily mean I have batteries in it. However, it's good to know, isn't it? If you do not hear about the good news of Jesus, then you're not even going to come close to ever believing in him. But these three, these tandem of Hakma Musar and Binamir Banah, work together to awaken us to actually see the word of Scripture become flesh in us. Okay, so the flashlight, let's just walk through this. The wisdom would say, you need a flashlight to see in the dark. And I'm like, that's a good idea. I can't see in the dark with my own eyes. I need help from the outside. I need a flashlight. And then your next question would be, what's a flashlight? That's the way most of us as Christians work. You need to be saved by grace. Oh, that's true. What's grace? You don't even understand what it means. Or Jesus Christ is your only salvation. Who's Jesus Christ? What if you didn't know? What if you were in some tribe over in Africa? You're like, who? Is that a person? Is that a thing? What is Jesus Christ? You see, you must have more than just data and facts. It's not just knowing what is right. You must be instructed in that. So you need a flashlight to see in the dark. And then imagine that I'm fiddling around in the dark and I'm grabbing something. He goes, no, that's not a flashlight. And I even feel a little slap on my hand. No. This is a flashlight. No, that's not how you hold a flashlight. This is how you hold it. Your flashlight doesn't have batteries. These are batteries. This is the positive end and this is the negative end of the battery. This is instruction. You see, I'm being corrected. If I stick in the batteries wrong, what is my instructor going to say? No, dump them out. Let's do it right. And is that rude? Should I be offended that my instructor is correcting me and saying, take the batteries out? That isn't going to work. No, that's actually the only way that my flashlight will work. If I want to solve my darkness dilemma, I need to heed the words of instruction. I need to understand the wisdom that the flashlight is necessary and imperative, and there is only one way for me to see in this dark, and that is with that flashlight. I've been given a flashlight, but now I need to know how to use it. You put them in like this. Now screw back on the cap. Now when you press on this button, it will turn on the flashlight and you'll be able to see. Now what is the missing piece? I may know it. I may have been instructed in how to do it. Now what must I do? I must take that flashlight and heed and obey what I've been told. What should I do with that little button that I was told would turn it on? I should probably push it just like that 20. What should you do? Grab it. Push the button. So the understanding... So imagine this sort of conversation with God. You mean this will actually solve my problem with darkness? You mean that if I hold it like this and get the batteries incorrect and then simply press this button, that whoa, whoa, it works. Suddenly you have your understanding and your wisdom all connecting into a real life cycle. And you're like, I know how to use a flashlight. Now what are you able to do to help others? You have light. And you can teach them how to get those batteries in. You see, you have been given wisdom. But you needed, with that wisdom, instruction. And with that wisdom and instruction, you needed understanding. Now you have it. And now you can use that flashlight for the rest of your life. So the sword. So imagine that I have a sword, and I keep getting defeated in battle. No one has ever told me about the sword. So I come with a feather duster, 
What do I need? I need wisdom for battle, how to fight the enemy. So the wisdom, the only thing that can fight off the enemy is this sword, Eric. The instruction, no, not that sword, this sword. This is the only sword that will work. No, put your hand right here, put your thumb around the hilt like so, good. Now hold it up like you mean business. Excellent, now swing it like this. No, try it again, like this. Good, keep practicing, good. No, lift it a little higher, you're not staving off mice. You're staving off giants of sin, higher, even higher, good. Now just keep practicing. So the understanding, you mean this will actually defeat my enemy? If I swing like this when he comes against me, then you are saying that, whoa, it really works. This sword actually works. You know how many of us have been trained, but what we need is real life? You ever read, any of you that are like pregnant, child coming, never had kids before, and you get all the advice from the people around you, you read a book on parenting, and it's good. There's nothing wrong with a parenting book. It helps prepare. But you notice that to truly learn and to truly have understanding in parenting, you need kids. Not just kids inside, kids that are running around, that are making noise, that are making messes. And then suddenly, all the parenting wisdom and instruction works, and suddenly the light goes on, and you say, ah. So when they're saying they grow up so fast, they really meant it. They really do grow up so fast. And I find myself now repeating it. How many generations have we repeated this line? They grow up so fast. (gasps) Did I say it? I did, but my understanding is there now. Wisdom and instruction, and then suddenly understanding, light bulbs going off, and now suddenly I will not take any moment for granted in my children's lives. I have understanding, and as a result, I can be a wise man in raising my kids in that dimension. Living upstairs, let's, di- let's divide. Here, here I am in one space, second space, third space. I wish I had walls and we could show you this a little better. But imagine this is darkness. I'm the fool, I'm living in darkness. But then we have a door here. The door is Jesus Christ. And here is a stairwell. It's sort of hard to show you a stairwell, but it takes me ever higher and ever higher. So the stairwell would be Christ, and then this is higher. Okay, so it should be up here, but I don't know how to put it up there in your mind, because I can't get up there to show you. But it's the higher place. It's the heavenly realms and the behavior of the heavenly realms. It's The perfection of maturity, it's the full growth of a Christian. Well, if you're a fool, did you know that you're not even close to that? You're totally separated from it, and there's a door that stands between you. However, up to this point, before Jesus Christ, that door was locked to us as Gentiles. We had no access into that higher realm. However, Jesus has unlocked that door. And so if we turn to him and believe, we are literally brought in to Christ Jesus, and therefore everything we need for life and godliness to access the fullness of God's grace and his life, his wisdom, to live on this earth in Christ, because we could live in the darkness or we could live simultaneously, same world, in Christ. And if we do, we live in the light, and actually we have everything we need for any turn to be able to live rightly as opposed to wrongly. You live as the fool, you die. You live as the wise man, you live. And there's a door that separates. How you handle that door and how you handle this simple fact defines everything for you. So living upstairs, the wisdom. You were not created to live downstairs. You were created to live upstairs. You must go through the door and up the stairwell and then remain there always. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? However, most of us live our life, even as Christians, or I should put quotes around that, in the dark. 
We live outside of the pale of God's ability to save us. Just like having a sword and not swinging it and having the enemy eat us for lunch every day. Or just like having an empty flashlight and acting like we're doing it, coming to church and waving it in the air. An empty flashlight doesn't mean a lot. We still are in darkness. These instruments were meant to be wielded to showcase the grandeur of heaven. So, the instruction, get up. You can't get upstairs by sitting here, Eric. This is downstairs, yes? All of this is downstairs. You must leave all of this. You see, when you're here, you don't like hearing that. Well, all of this? I got some good buddies down here. I got some comforts down here. And God says, if you want to be in me, you have to leave all of this. <gasps> I realize this is all you have known, but all you have known is death. You were created for abundant life. So get up and move those legs. Come here. This is the door. Do you see it? No, no. Over here as you're like poking around in the bush over in the side. No. This is the door. Do you see it? No. Over here. This is a trash can. Over here. No, that's the couch. Come here. Good. Do you see that? That is the door. It is the only way to the upstairs. Now, grab this knob and turn it counterclockwise. Good. No, don't go back and sit on the couch. The reason the door didn't open is because you didn't want it to. You didn't push to see the other side. It's unlocked. But you must forsake this downstairs to go upstairs. You can't take it with you. No, set down your lust. It won't fit through the door. Only you can fit through. Good. Now come and turn the knob and push. You see? It's unlocked. Now you're in the stairwell. How exciting. All the upstairs is available to you, but you must go up the stairs. Now, that's not how you do it. You are attempting to go up the stairs the way you did while living downstairs. That doesn't work. You are used to doing things by the power of yourself. But to succeed in the upstairs realm, you must learn to live by the power of his working. You must rest in his ability. It's called grace. He is the only one who has ever climbed the staircase. And if you want to ascend into the upstairs regions, you must let him carry you. There you go. No, that was once again in your strength. Let him do it. I realize it is a bit strange and foreign at first, but you will soon understand. Good. You're getting it. Remember, you can't do it. But he can. The understanding. So... If I, and how many of us have come to this point where we're like, we hear all the sermons about it. We know, yeah, I can't do it. He can. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then one day, wait a minute. So if I stop trying to do it and simply allow him to do it for me, then you're saying that, whoa, I got it. He really does do it. Faithful as he was called me who also will do it. I get it. That's understanding. Unless you actually have the understanding, all that wisdom and instruction is lying waste. You see, all of these working together are what cause us to be the wise. So let's review. The Proverbs are profitable for what? For giving us the roadmap and showing us the right destination. For instructing how to practically get on the road, stay on the road, drive from here to there and actually reach the right destination. And three, for supplying us the engine, the fuel, and the fresh tires so that we succeed in our journey and don't fail. What are the scriptures profitable for? Now, this is a very interesting thing. You just read the very first few verses of Proverbs. That's what we've spent our time on. Now let's go to the New Testament and let's hear what God says about all scripture. That's the term, all scripture. Not just the Proverbs. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that fascinating? Scripture is profitable for what? For doctrine. Now, I'm going to go into that in just a second because most of us are like, well, you know, that's like, you know, these theological thoughts. Doctrine is how you live this life right in the person of Jesus Christ. This is how we are to live. It's correct doctrine. This is what you are to believe. This is how you are to function. This is the doctrine of the church that lives and breathes and reveals Jesus Christ. For Second is for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What does that sound strangely similar to? The first one sounds strangely similar to wisdom. The second one sounds strangely similar to instruction. And the third one, and to completely and thoroughly equip the man of God for every good work. That's Benamir Benah. You see, it's not just the Proverbs that are good for this. It's Jesus, the Word of God made flesh. It's all Scripture. It's all that has been given us. Every single word in Scripture is good for this. Scripture is profitable for, for doctrine, for giving us the roadmap and showing us the right destination, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, or for instructing how to practically get on the road, stay on the road, drive from here to there and actually reach the right destination, and to completely and thoroughly equip the man of God for every good work, for supplying us the engine, the fuel, and the fresh tires so that we succeed in our journey and don't fail. The fool. Yeah, I've been talking about him this whole time. Many of us can unfortunately relate to the fool. The fool is the opposite of the wise. The fool is the one that hasn't received the wisdom. The fool is the one that has never heeded the instruction. And the fool is the one that has no understanding. He's a fool. He lives in darkness. He doesn't even see that his life is headed towards destruction because it's dark around him. He doesn't recognize that the pit lies before him. So it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know Hakma and Musar, to being Amir Benah. Now we go to verse 7 and look what it says. Fools despise Hakma and Musar. And as a result, we'll never have being Amir Benah. You see, a fool, the dividing line is how they treat wisdom and instruction. And it's not just in Proverbs. That's the word of God. How you relate to the word of God will define if you are a fool or a wise man. If you despise God's instruction, if you treat it with contempt, you're the classic fool. And you will have the fool's end, which is absolute destruction, humiliation. And even wisdom itself says, I will mock you in that day. You see, you held it in contempt, and then it will hold you in contempt as the fool when the wages of the fool are realized. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil. Listen to this. They are wise to do evil. They know the pattern for evil. They have it all down. They share their secrets with each other. You know how you can get away with this? This is how you can cheat in Mr. Ross's science class. It's like they know the pattern for evil and they're wise in it. They're cunning in it. But to do good, they have no knowledge. They never heeded the wisdom and the instruction and as a result do not have been a mere banah. They have no understanding. They despise it. And as a result, oh, they're wise. But they're wise for this world's living. They're wise to live in the downstairs realm. Wisdom for the downstairs realm leads to destruction in the downstairs realm. But to forsake that and to turn unto God's wisdom, humble yourself and say, I need to be instructed. I need to know the way 
because I don't know it. Proverb. The word, if you break it up into its Latin roots, pro, pro, means beforehand. And of course, a verb is just an action. So this is a very interesting thing, but beforehand plus action. Well, it's the action that must place, take place beforehand. If you want to live a great life, what do you need? You need wisdom. So God's given you the wisdom so that beforehand you can heed it. So that when the action is needed, you have that which is needed beforehand. It's the proverb. How you relate to the proverb defines if you will make the right decision in the future. So listen to this definition. The action that enables the right outcome. You see, the king is saying, my son, heed what I'm saying. Heed my instruction. Do not forsake the law of your mother. I have given you a foundation of thought. This is how you ought to live. It's the action before the living. If that son heeds the proverb, then he can be the wise man in the day of testing. Without the proverb, you will never cease to be the fool. You see, without the proverb, and I'm going to just skip and cut to the chase, the proverb is Jesus. He's the action that took place beforehand. He is the great love of God, grace and mercy of God that was laboring on our behalf even before we got to this moment. He has done the work and he has given us the proverb. And he says, my son, my daughter, heed me. Heed my work. Heed my word. Heed my voice. And if you heed me, if you treasure me, if you make me the fulcrum, the center point of your life, you will then behave as you ought to behave. But without the proverb, you will never cease to be the fool. Without Jesus, we have no hope in this world. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of Musar shall drive it far from him. The rod, also the word in Scripture, is the canon. It's the canon of God. The 66 books are known as the canon. The rod of Musar is typically understood as the rod of correction. However, what this is, the rod of correction, what's the rod of correction? Is it just some stick? It can be, I'm not against it. But what it is truly is it's the measuring rod of Scripture. What drives foolishness out of us? It's Scripture. But more specifically, it's Jesus. You know that you could well discipline your children and they can go to hell? It isn't just good discipline that leads someone up to the higher levels up to the fullness of maturity in Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can take someone there. They need Jesus. That does not mean you forsake instruction in that manner. However, we need a deeper instruction. We need the gospel. We need truth. What is the great pre-action? The action that took place before. It's called Jesus and the cross. It's the action that enables the right outcome. There's a proverb, and we could say, it's Jesus and him crucified. That's everything. That's our great proverb as the church. Jesus and him crucified. That's the action that you need for the right outcome in your life. Heed that proverb. Listen to it, my sons and my daughters, says God. Heed it. It is useful so that you can know Hakma Musar and Bin Amir Banah, so that you can function at the highest levels, so that you can behave, not just in your own body, but in your marriage, in your family, in the church, in your community, in your business, and your civil opportunities to lead, whether it be a state or whether it be a nation or whether it be nations or whether it be worlds. 
I have given you, says God, everything you will need to do it right. I've given you the action beforehand. It's the cross. His shed blood is everything you will need. But now, you must be the wise son and daughter that does not despise wisdom and instruction, but turns unto God and says, I need that. So to rule a nation, I realize it sounds preposterous to rule a nation and to have us be training to rule a nation. This really didn't cover a lot of ground of how you're going to rule a nation, but it directed you straight to the point where you can go to the one who can train you in how to rule a nation. I realize it sounds preposterous, but we have everything we need in the word of God and in Jesus Christ to be trained up, to not just rule well in our own souls, but to rule entire nations with the divine wisdom of the king of all kings. We can do it as he does it, not because we have the wisdom, the instruction, or the empowerment latent within ourselves, but because he has seen fit to thoroughly furnish us for every good work. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Are you ready for this? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? I'm, I'm not really qualified for that. Well, are you willing to allow God to make you qualified for that? He's qualified for it, and he's saying, My son, my daughter, heed my instruction. Here is my proverb. Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You have been given everything you need to make decision in this life in accordance with God's decision-making power. You have the mind of Christ for every matter you will face. So, this is, I know, a little bigger scale message than maybe you know how to swallow right now. But what you need to do is define where you're at right now. Are you needing to deal with your thought life? Are you needing to deal with your attitude? The one attitude that just sort of gets off the scales or off the rails pretty quickly? and just uh, doesn't have a temper to it, that doesn't, isn't ruled and controlled properly. Imagine if all the people in a nation behaved as your thought life is behaving. How would your nation be doing? And so as a result, if you are failing at the most basic level, start there. God's grace is for right there. You don't just need to feel condemnation. That doesn't come from, the, from God. It comes from the enemy. God's saying, there's hope. There's hope in that body of yours. There's hope in that mind of yours. Come to me. And let me give you my wisdom. Let me instruct you by the power of my spirit and by the clearness of my word so that I may bring you understanding and I may give you the power that you need and the enablement that you will need to live out that which you esteem and not just esteem it. If you want it, it's because God wants it for you more than even you do. The only reason you long for it is because he is longing for you. You see, you're not the one that comes to God and says, huh, yeah, I, I esteem the things of God. He's the one that comes to you and begins to work in you to esteem the things of God. So if you're desiring wisdom and instruction, praise God today. Because for whatever reason, God has seen fit to condescend to say, I want to give you the commonwealth of Israel. I want to give you all that I have so that you can be all you are supposed to be. Thank you so much for listening to this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, pastor at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message 
but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns, cheering you on as Christ cultivates His set-apart life within you.